just take it in. Only problem with the Glenmore is that like after seven, it gets packed with the biggest fuckwits you've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. So absolutely, Ixnay on the Udra. Hello, welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming of age tales. We've got a very special episode today. <laughs> Riding solo. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> We've got no back to information hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You sit do back, relax, fall asleep as we tell you <laughs> a bunch of tidbits. <laughs> we demanded it. <laughs> you listen to it. <laughs> what are we doing again? We're doing part two of. We're going back to the rocks, baby. Oh, yeah. There's so Too much, much to stuff. Do in one episode. A lot of historical stuff. Also, like, littered throughout my 20s. Just, like, the worst. You littered cle- through your 20s? Yeah, That's I did. Believe it or not. <laughs> not anymore. I cleaned up my ass. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, just the rocks is a side of some of my, like, dumbest, like, meat, like, rom-com-ish first date <laughs> ideas. <laughs> like, yeah, just, like, fucking driving from Eastwood to the Rocks to go to an Italian restaurant being like, isn't this nice? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we've got these everywhere, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Italian Lord. restaurant, it's like Domino's or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love that for a date idea. I think the best one I've done for first date is mini golf. Oh. Like, mini golf, because, like, you know, it's charming. One, sure. <laughs> I'm trying to convince you guys. <laughs> Georgina, back me up here, please. Uh, it's charming. It's quirky. A little different. Okay. And mm. it offers, like, there's a like a funny little, maybe like a competition, but not real competition yeah. element of it. There's right. some t- You're not, like, getting in their face, like, suck it. <laughs> suck it. You missed the windmill. <laughs> yeah. It did go in the mouth of the hippo, you bitch. <laughs> You know, and there's an opportunity for some light flirting and touching. Well, would that would be in the same realm as like bowling then? Ten pin bowling, I think, is like fundamentally unsexier though, right? Like, Uh, oh yeah, not the way I bowl, baby. (laughs) 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 With with your pants around your ankles, (laughs) just really tight, like spandex pants (laughs) with a big lunge. Yeah, 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 the leg goes sweeping out the back. I've been with his pants down to his ankles, waddling, and then putting the ball on that hill (laughs) that you roll it down and just be like, be like, "Han, I got another strike," because it hits all the bumpers (laughs) on the way there. But I think it's better than like the movies. I think it's more original than the movies. And then you can, the great thing, you can combine it with a movie. Have your cake and eat it too. Damn. Quirky, traditional. Okay. Okay. I'm a good right. date. That right. sounds, <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah. You just want to go for it. It's like a 12 year old's birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And then we go to the back room and the Mac is freezer <laughs> yeah, and we get an ice cream cake. I eat all of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so that, the rocks was the first date haunt, was it? Yeah, oh, for like a few places because you know because it's got the the old architecture and like it's interesting. It's near Circular Quay. There's a ton of pubs there, but like the restaurants are, I think they're like a lot of them are tourist trappy, right? Being like mm, we've been oh, here yeah. since the seventies, and yeah. you're like, oh, cool, nineteen seventies, yeah, that's yeah. great. I, uh, have you ever been to Pancakes on the Rocks? No, never, but I've uh, always wanted to. Well, <laughs> well, we got you two tickets today. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Check under your seat, Jamie. Um, it's an old pancake. <laughs> I believe you left it here last time. No, I found out that Pancakes on the Rocks was, um, uh, was famously Anthony Albanese's first job. There, really? Yeah, okay. He was working and there. Now he's got COVID. Now he's got Flipping COVID. Pancakes. But he, um, I love this because I, I, 
you know, was just searching rock stuff and it just came up. But it came up with two articles, mm. very different approach to the news that he said. And basically he was asked, what was your first job? And he sort of went on about his time working at Pancakes and the Rocks. Two articles, different spin on it, Australian politics and media. There's, you know, left-leaning, mm-hmm. right-leaning. Mm-hmm. Both of these are the Daily Mail. Okay. And it's released on the same day. And one of them is, Anthony Albanese worked at Pancakes on the Rocks in Sydney. And then the other article is, Anthony Albanese rambles about Pancakes on the Rocks. <laughs> Both Daily Mail. Ooh. And then in the article, why this photo of the positive one, why this photo of a young Anthony Albanese is so revealing about the man he is today and he's planned to drive up your pay. And then the other one, Anthony Albanese rambles for two minutes about his old job in a pancake shop at a critical stage of this election campaign. So is his waffling refreshing and authentic or a sign he's not up to being PM? Both the Daily Mail. Yeah, what the fuck? I mean, uh, they're two, just trying to get... Two minutes does not classify yeah, as a Yeah, that's ram- not a ram- 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 <laughs> That's a <laughs> story. Filibustering. <laughs> for two minutes, describing but, his employment history. But Daily Mail are just so shameless. They're like, all right, oh, let's just... Take any- Click. Let's just take both sides of, of everything and then we just have a big sidebar of sexy women articles yeah, yeah. that just draw your eye and then you go down down. Yes, yeah, read about Anthony Albanese, but my eyes are scrolling to hottest wags of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's Rachel from S Club up to? Yeah, but Pancakes on the Rocks, it's 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know that, um, but that's a pretty common thing like it's like an american diner thing i suppose right? yeah well like the thing i think was and i think actually i rescind my statement i have been there i've stumbled in drunk like i think like with a large group of people who are like pancakes on the rocks is a cute 24 hour thing you should come with us after mm-hmm. you're out and i was just like pancake good and it just <laughs> went in there and probably fell asleep in my chocolate pancakes i think yeah, but like syrup it, i mean like a, at that time like would have been 2007 the concept of like a 24-hour diner in sydney is so novel yeah. like there's only like yeah. maybe two or three mm. there was a because they I used mean, to that's be novel now yeah. yeah i guess so like there used to be one when i lived in neutral bay shout out there's a there's a place called Maisie's that's like just down the road from the oaks and it is a cafe that operates 24 hours and like they stick to it and it rules like i've been there I went there with a mate once after like drinking at the Oaks till two. And then we went and he was like, I feel like soup. And I was like, how are you fucking? <laughs> so I just want like. <laughs> I mean, drink liquid all day. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's so like a like, broth to this. I got like a coffee and just watched him like devour a bowl of soup. with like, yeah, And it's just like, this is the weirdest post-drunk feed I've ever seen. Where uh, like, I don't hate it. That's it. That's really like something you would do. It might have been you. Do you order a pint of soup? Try to chug it. Can I get an ice cold soup, please? Um, I did get some reviews, Pancakes on the Rocks, because you can imagine 24 hours a day in the Rocks area. I don't know if it's a good view or anything, but at least the location's convenient. It's 24 hours a day. You're going there to fucking eat at like four in the morning. You don't, I mean, I, what are you expecting, right? I assume it's not, it's like not fine dining. Fine dining. It's obviously a bit better than Macca's, right? But the point of it is the convenience. Yeah, I think the whole thing's meant to look like the way like a TGI Fridays would look yeah. inside, like booth seating, mm. like tchotchkes and stuff. There's, there was so much reviews, like negative reviews about, oh, this steak was undercooked. Like imagine 3 a.m. get a fucking pancake, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you dumbass. Yeah, yeah. So mate. there's 3 a.m. some chefs like, oh, I made it medium, not medium. And they're like, just, you're just like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. But um, this guy, one star review. I've never seen this one before. 
He's blowing up. Um, first of all, he says, update, next morning, no longer drunk. I stand by the review I wrote last night. Um, so then, and then his review that he wrote last night is like, with a, he's trying to be so adamant that he's in the right. With approximately 10 paying customers, this place still refused to let me, one person, bring in outside food. I, I would have been happy to order a drink or something as well, but they are refused to let me bring in Food, my favorite food place, Lord of the Fries. It's seriously the best for anyone who wants to go there. Was nearby, so I ordered it on Uber Eats, and uh, they wouldn't let me bring it in to eat it with my friends. I'd eat outside by myself like a loner. It's like just go in and order something. Yeah, it's a fucking restaurant. Think, like this guy's got something to learn about restaurants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a fucking his restaurant. First review. He's like, yeah, I can't. The next day, I went to Cafe Sydney, and they wouldn't let me bring in my Maccas. He's like, like would not recommend to my worst enemy. Man. Just one star. I do like the Settle concept down, of dude. a guy getting drunk and reviewing stuff and then revisiting it the next day to see how it yeah. holds up. <laughs> I may <laughs> like, have been a little hasty in yeah. my review. Well, to find out what the official best post-drink feed in Sydney is. Yeah? You reckon? Tell us, audience. <laughs> like, I'd love to know. Like, po- you mean, so you haven't got a bet, not, like not a hungover? You mean? Yeah, kebab, maccas. Like, what? Because it has to fulfill, like, it's got to fucking smash your stomach into pieces. Mm. Uh, it's got to lessen the drunken hangover feel and it's got to be open late as fuck yeah i'll tell you what shout out the kebab shop at the metro at Mar- not Mar- marrickville metro the metro petrol station at marrickville near the bowling club that kebab shop is open till 3 a.m all night of the week mm. and i think well after footy drinks the other night i had it walking home and i just couldn't stop thinking about it for, <laughs> yeah for, like i had it then Four days later, because I'm like, I just could not stop thinking. It was That's one of the one best things I've ever had. It looks in my life. so shit, but like everyone says ones, it's right? the best in the world. Yeah, over till three a.m. So anytime, go I don't there. mind that one on Emmore Road, like right near the Porto. The Saray, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the best one I've had. They, they have the best snack packs. Me and Danny in a kebab shop once in Sydney at like three a.m. We were standing there. Oh, actually, Danny got there first, and because we had separate taxes or something with a group of people, and I came in. He's like a few people ahead of me. He's like, you just missed out. Fucking Jamoan was in front of me in the line. He's just pissed as fuck. Three a.m. getting a kebab. Daddy's just like, this is the greatest day of my life. I bet you it was the best day of Jamoan's life. <laughs> Daddy behind him going, hey, Jamoan, Jamoan, <laughs> ah, I love it. Too much creak, huh, Jamoan? <laughs> so another one from John who won another one star. And for, he's sort of going, on the flavor of the meal I ordered was great. This is a one star review. And this is how he starts. <laughs> okay. Felt while eating it, it is he ordered the beef crepes without tomato sauce. Ew. Okay. Beef crepes? Yeah. I don't know yeah. what that is. So like, But he's saying it was great, right? So I'm on board with one star if he says it's shit. But then he goes, felt while eating it, it deserved to have extra sour cream when without the tomato sauce. So he's saying, I ordered no tomato sauce. They had, they did that, but they didn't compensate me with extra sour Suck cream. Me so then he goes on a little bit about something about the watermelon. Mocktail felt too strong in its artificial alcohol flavor. It's like you're ordering a mocktail. And, and also mocktails don't have artificial yeah. alcohol yeah. flavoring put, added. Like, like fake gin. And no, shit. No, Everyone no, knows no, the no. worst part of the, a cocktail is the alcohol taste. <laughs> yeah. I want something fruity, baby. <laughs> so he's just got all these weird complaints, but then he, I just love this. He goes... Um, also, I suggested that they add a Hungry Jack-style bursty Slurpee to the menu. <laughs> was told oh, my suggestion would be passed on to the manager. 
shrug emoji. Don't know if it was. I mean, I don't mind Dude. that at all. Yeah, we should start going to restaurants and be like, man, have you thought of like a mentor shake? <laughs> this is like, what are we? And it's just the shrug, like, they, like, they clearly weren't enthusiastic when they told him. I love like, it. it has to be a Hungry Jack style. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. Bursties. What you is know, a the, Bursties? I've never heard of this shit. So it's, a, it's, you know, those like. Um, like Starburst? Um, what do they call it? The the I, the tea places oh, that like have the little tea. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so those little bubble tapioca balls or whatever. I think it's a similar thing in the Slurpee. Ah, in the con- okay. you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, little yeah, bits yeah, of yeah. shit in there, whatever. I'm always scared of I'm going to choke to death on those bubble teas. Like they suck yeah, up the straw, and I've like never had scared them. <laughs> They're like the softest things in the oh, world. Still, <laughs> keeps me up at night thinking about it. <laughs> One star review. <laughs> My boyfriend choked <laughs> to death. We look, at, we look at Drew's Google history, and it's just all bubble tea. Like, warning, choking hazard. Yeah, and then and then the last one from Daniela, one star again. Um, Farmers brunch crepes were horrible. If Gordon Ramsay were to try those, he would have thrown it back at the chef's face. (laughs) (laughs) Like Gordon Ramsay, maybe just a little bit performatively angry about things. He's not going to take that horrible crepe off the menu. Um, and then she goes, the pancakes were good though, so just stick to the pancakes. Hey, Daniela, how about you stick to the pancakes? <laughs> it's called pancakes on the rocks, yeah. okay? That's you, you don't, don't have, have to order, to the order everything. <laughs> do you like the pancakes? The one star. <laughs> I, I just do not understand people. That's so, so funny. Go to pancakes on the rocks, guys. I've never been. I think it would be great. What like, if we get everyone who listens to the podcast to find that review about the bursty Slurpee and comment on it and be like, I second that. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, John. I can't pronounce his last name. Starts with a G. And a year ago, one star get on it pancakes on the rocks but um yeah i i have never been i think i'd be fine maybe we should go after an episode one time yeah i yeah. feel like you have to go late late, late and drunk you can't yeah. go 6 30 with the well, first I mean, day we can take care of the latter pretty easily <laughs> <laughs> i uh, like the classic review where the person is just insane is always good i, I did find one for that hero of waterloo pub which oh, i think i think i might yeah you got i might have got this one already, okay so i like it <laughs> so uh this is one star uh, from Steph I would give zero stars if possible I was walking past and something fell on me and I walked into the hotel to grab a tissue and the extremely rude owner who was a middle aged woman said I wasn't allowed a tissue because I wasn't a customer and then a uh, <laughs> response from the owner hi thank you for your feedback COVID's a difficult time we only requested you to sign in upon entrance to the premises which you refused <laughs> <laughs> I love how something <laughs> fell on her. Yeah, I know. Like, like could, a bird shit. Is that yeah, bird, it's shit bird shit or? for sure, right? <laughs> but but like, like, I mean, she's not going to say a bird shit. But as I was, when I was ready, that I like when I saw the reply, I'm like, okay, that'll make sense. But I just imagine like, because it's an old here at Waterloo is like an old pub. I just yeah. imagine like part of the fucking roof falling, <laughs> up, cracking her in the head. <laughs> she walks in with the blood, and they're like, you got to buy something for a tissue. But there is the pubs there are great. Like the, yeah. the, the the pubs Man, around. Fortune of War is sick. Yeah, Hero Fortune of War is great. There's um the three of them are um are debating or fighting out for the earliest pub in Australia. Yeah. So that's the Australian Hotel, Fortune of War, and the Lord Nelson, I believe. Yep. Um and they all have different claims, but basically the Australian Hotel and the Fortune of War were the two oldest, like, on record, but as some sort of establishment, but this is in the 20, 1820s. And back then, it, you'd just put an ad in the paper saying, hey, you know, Fortune of War is is open. And it was it's hard to tell that, you know, historians argue whether they're actually public houses mm. or whether they were just selling grog from the ships. On the sly. 
well, on the side or just like a bottle shop. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. You know right, what right. I mean? Yep, like yep, just yep. a takeaway premise. Yeah. So Not like a hotel, hotel sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Whether they had. Um, whether they had houses, uh, you know, rooms for, for lead or not, but yeah. they're trying to figure out the oldest pub you have to has to be a public house. You have to be able to sit in there and drink at, at a bar. I know Fortune of War has that like plaque at the front that says, "Yeah, this is Australia's oldest pub." Yeah, so it depends on what you classify as pub. So both the Australian Hotel and Fortune of War, the moment that you could be licensed when you had to be licensed, eighteen thirty, they both applied and were number one and number two licensed premises. <coughs> so. But it's just like, is that the that's technically the oldest then licensed premise? Right, right. So if you say licensed premise, then it's one of them too. Earlier than that, there's arguments that there was a pub in Windsor that was selling beer and, and, and stuff like that. But then, and then also the Lord Nelson is the only, they both had periods of time where they weren't trading and they stopped trading. So Lord Nelson says they're most they're continuously opened pub, right? So yep. they're, they're, they're all sort of all over the place. There's all sorts of pubs around there that don't exist anymore. Whalers, um, no, the, the some of them have got great names. The Dog and Duck, Swan with Two Necks. Oh, damn. <laughs> Man, that's I like one. that one. The the Keep Within Compass. I don't even know what that means. The Keep, the keep Within Compass, the Cheshire Cheese, the Beehive, the Hit or Miss Hotel. Some of those are great. Yeah, these are cool names. Yeah, I know. So I always get bummed out when you see what clearly used to be a pub, like you'll be walking around somewhere because you can just tell by the, like, the whole layout. But yeah. now it's like some like – Boutique real estate agency. That's like, oh, right. Man, the Hit or Miss Hotel. Some of them, it's, they, they can say this was it. Like they can, sh- then that, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's some fucking marketing place or whatever. But the Hero Waterloo, I found a, I found a review, not, not like a Google review, but a, a tour guide review. A guy went there on a tour guide and the tour guide himself sounds a bit much because <laughs> he's like, this guy's writing about it. The tour guide for the pub uh, was a gentleman wearing period military costume, oh. <laughs> including a red coat with brass buttons uh, that reminded guests of the area, first half of the 19th century. Um, he called himself Captain Nash. <laughs> and he, I love this this phrasing. He, um, he displayed an impish relish when he put a pair of antique iron handcuffs on one of the tour guests, Richard. <laughs> so he's like... Handcuffing like, handcuffing this guy with an impish relish so he sounds very theatrical um so captain nash uh was showing them about the pub hero waterloo and like you said you can see old pubs and hero waterloo um famously or i guess um, notably has um all these windows and some of them are fake windows right because back in the 19th century um they had a thing called the the uh, window tax Right, mm. so you actually had to pay a tax. It was in England, and they did it in Australia as well. But you had to pay a tax based on how many windows your property had as some sort of land value tax, right? right? And so instead of actually having that, have out on the outside it looked like windows, but they weren't actually windows; they were just sort of fake painted yeah, right. windows. Right. And um, Captain Nash quipped that uh, the whole thing was daylight robbery. Captain <laughs> <laughs> Nash, yeah, I know, man. If we should figure out how to get him on the pod. So then uh, it just goes on, but there was apparently at the Hero Waterloo, there was a secret tunnel running from the cellar of the hotel to the harbour, right? And um, That rocks. Yeah, and, and it, apparently it was used for rum smuggling, so smuggling in through, up through the secret. It is a literal, this is all true. You could make a sick, like, Peaky Blinders style show of, like, the rocks back then, you yeah, know, like some ab- smuggling. Absolutely, we could. Ooh, all right, I'm listening. We, we start we writing s- a script. We just have to do the Peaky Blinders <laughs> accent, whether it's accurate or not at the yeah. time. I don't care. Um, so, but apparently, uh, the rumor goes that the hero will because it had this like smuggling um, tunnel. Um, young men would find themselves drunk at the bar, 
and they'd be sort of pushed down in the trap door and be dragged through the tunnel to wake uh, in the morning on a boat going like as a as a shorehand sort of thing so as a shipmate Dude, that's so they just had a recruiting people back then was get them real drunk and then kick them down the tunnel that's sick. and they'd wake up on a boat yeah. heading to fuck, back I've woken up like not knowing where I was a couple of times <laughs> I'm working on a boat I'm working on the train in Newcastle ending up at Hornsby and just wake up and you're like oh fuck <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing exactly the same thing you work on the train now. yeah 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 uh, and apparently the um, the pub's haunted, or maybe you had some haunted stuff, right? Yeah, James? but not about the pub. No. Not about here or all of it. But it's one of the one of those ones that they go on about. But apparently the um, the wife of the owner of the pub, Thomas Kirkman, that's actually, me, baby. That's what they call him, Big Tommy Kirkman. Um, so Tommy Kirkman, a brutal publican who ran the pub from 1849, and his wife Anne would sit at the pub's piano and play classical music. And then the husband would come home, come upstairs drunk or whatever he would do. And then at one time, he apparently kicked her down the stairs. Oh, she cracked oh her neck. Geez. She died. And now you hear musical music in that place all nice. the time. If you go up and shut the piano, uh, you go back and it's open at the top of it. And yep. the stools are arranged and all that sort of stuff. So that's the Hero Waterloo. Here's a good one about a haunting if you want to link it thematically. This oh. is a place called Cadman's Cottage. And basically it was built as like a barracks uh, to house like the naval coxswain. So it's probably nearby and they're shoving 1820s Drew Bensley. He's had too many <laughs> stayers and they're like, that's it. You're joining the Navy. And he's like, oh, we're cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Five o'clock, beer o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so it used to be a barracks and then it was taken over by the water police in 1846. Oh, so basically yeah, in uh, 1844, <laughs> this guy, Gene Vidal, he was caught outside of there trying to dispose of the body of his boss, Thomas Warn Warney. Oh, oh man. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Getting sprung at work. So he murdered him the night before, basically. And he said that, like, Vidal and Warn, they were arguing at uh, the boss's house, Warn's house, and he demanded he leave or he would stab him with an old sword that he had on the wall. So, like, a wall ornament <sighs> sword. Yeah. And so... The murderer left before rage overcame him, but then he came back and hit this guy with an axe and killed him, like right in the head. So he walked it off. Walked <laughs> like, home, nah, I'm still angry. And about he got this. halfway. Well, so home. The, the way this is like worded is basically like they were arguing, and the guy who got murdered was like, "Get the fuck out of my house, or I'm gonna murder you." And he was like, "Yeah, you won this round." And then he was like, "Fuck him." I mean, we've seen Drew do this sort of stuff a million times. He walks back in, then he's like, all right, I'm going to hit this guy with a bat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Half an hour later, you think it's all calmed down, and you talk to him, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get punched at guy. <laughs> 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 what? Like, you better jump in. It's like a last night. <laughs> yeah. I remember Drew being like, don't let me out there. <laughs> don't let me out Those there. Those guys were very annoying. <laughs> and uh, so basically, uh, he killed him with the axe, and then he tried to dispose of the body so by hacking like off his limbs with the axe, and then he was trying to burn the body in the house's fire fireplace but the fat from the body's flesh caused a huge fire in the house oh, and the, no. in, like in the but it was like confined to morning yeah it <laughs> was smoke alarms going off <laughs> just opening the window it was confined to the <laughs> chimney so the guy's trying to like pour buckets of water down it and he eventually gets it and oh, then he dismembers mess. the body further and he puts it into a chest and he cleans up the murder scene and <laughs> The, but some of the blood seeps through the floor and goes to the apartment below. And then this guy, he takes the chest with this body in it to the jetty next to the co cottage. And he tried, he asked a bloke to help him dump it in the water. Oh, like, God, he's just like, hey, mate, can, can you give me a hand with this? <laughs> no, I won't tell you what's in it. And then Ignore the blood. <laughs> yeah. So the boatman's like, uh, yeah, I'll give you a hand. But what the fuck is that smell? And the guy goes, oh, it's rotting pork. But the boatman was like, 
Nah. And so he calls the police and then Videl was hanged two months later. And now like Cadman's cottage is said to be haunted by like those two ghosts of like that horrific scene. Do you know how like bad you have to be at murder back in those days to get caught? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no anything. Let alone yeah, no I don't cameras. Even, they didn't have fucking barely knew what fingerprints were. I mean, like all. even you know, like go on to someone and be like, "Hey, man, can you help me dispose of this?" And then, it's certainly not a body. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, just to push it off the jetty, man. Yeah. Like do it. Yourself. You pretty much had to confess. That's the only way that you would really get caught unless you got caught red-handed yeah yeah, yeah exactly I, you, I actually quite like drinking at the australia hotel like hold on a minute yeah. james what yeah, so me, i don't actually mind a beer with my mates but i uh, and the australia hotel i believe like because it's on the corner of like two relatively quiet streets and so during like public holidays they kind of like uh rope that area off so people can like you know, mingle in the street a little more. At least they did when this story happened. I used to have a friend whose like big thing was that he would like get super fucking drunk and then do the worm. <laughs> Man, I love a party animal. Like yeah, that. I was gonna say this is like a Drew Bensley move. I wish I could like, do the worm. Yeah, I can't. but and like he's fucking good at it. Like it's not like someone being like, "It's time to do the worm," and then kind of like flops I'm sort on the of ground. Glad I'm not good at it because I would get drunk and do it, <laughs> yeah. and then wake up and I'll be like, "Fuck, <laughs> I yeah. do the worm." Again. That is one of the things that holds me back from doing the worm. <laughs> and it's so, just yeah, knowing he, I would not be yeah, able to sa- Same, really. <laughs> like, I think I tried to copy him once, just fucking hit my head on the floor, and was like, good, oh, "I'm stuck here." How good would it, like if you? You went to a party and someone how good would it have to be for you to be like all right fair play you know it'd have to be incredible oh yeah for you well, to be like listen dude that was because yeah, that that's where it started we were at like some house party and my mate's like you know i could do the worm and we were like <laughs> bullshit and like the whole house party stopped and made room for him oh. and he was like all right f- first part is and he like pulls off his pants and puts them down to his ankles and then does a perfect worm nice and he's like yeah pulling the pants down the ankles is an <laughs> integral part of it because oh, you need that's it. a brilliant no touch. no to be more to look oh, more like a party animal oh, basically yeah. and so everyone anchor. everyone's fucking cheering so he got a little taste of fame and now he feels like a hero it. and so then he's got a it so like we'd go we'd done the oaks once in the upstairs area near the bar he wormed his way out of like he knew he was getting kicked out and he's like all right i might as well do the fucking worm and like i don't know if you guys know the layout of this place but it's like a thin hallway and then like doors where there are like separate rooms where people play pool and go on the balconies and people came in and watched and were clapping as he did it he pulls up his pants walks down the stairs and walks out of the venue because he's like yep I, I crush it. He did it in Japan once as well. And like he was trying to describe to the bartender, he's like, I, I can do the worm. And they were like, what? And he's like, wormu? And then like he just does it. And the, and like the bartender started clapping. So he's like, I have no idea what's fucking. But one time we were in, we went out on a public holiday. I think it was like the Easter weekend. And he like, he got really angry about something for some reason. He was like in a dark, dark mood. And then, like, he just got, like, way drunk. And it was, like, at the Australian Hotel on a public holiday. So there's more security guards. They've got, like, the street blocked off so you can, like, dance and hang around. He's like, that's it. I'm fucking bringing out the worm. Dax himself. (laughs) And then, like, does the worst, most half-hearted, angry worm. Security, like, immediately swarms on him, like, pulls him up and kicks him out. And he was just like, I hate this place anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And and because it was so sad and he, like, clearly, like, you know, Usually when he's doing the worm, he looks so full of joy yeah, as he climbs in. Yeah. This time he's got an angry look on his face. So people aren't laughing no, or like clapping. They're, they're just like, this insane man is doing the worm out of anger. <laughs> it's tough when you see your heroes who don't know it's time to give it up. You know? It's <laughs> yeah. like Jordan at the Wizards or something. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, dude, yeah. you just, we need to stop I want this. some at che- uh, che- is it Cheeky Monkeys or Three Wise Monkeys, you know, yeah, yeah. like George Street. Mm. Um, 
me and me and TK um, were there, and we had like there were these guys like doing was like upstairs in this weird room, and they were kind of really good like break dance sort of moves, and they were like doing all that, and then we were just hammered, and I walk over. And some guys like doing his thing, and I, I walk out like I'm looking around. I'm like, step back, everybody, and yeah. then just like writhed on the floor, like just <laughs> just really badly. And they got like some guy tried to like grab me because I was like mocking their their cool dance crew, <laughs> and the fucking bouncer literally picked me up and fucking launched me down the stairs and I just like, fucking <laughs> rolled out on the street. Like, oh, like, yeah, thanks, pub. Epilepsy. <laughs> <Fiddle somewhere. laughs> I, I was like in. Uh, is it George Street? There's a bar. I don't know. It doesn't exist anymore, but the physical, it might still be a new bar, but it was called like Bar 310 or 802 or something like that. I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's Triple Ace Bar. Um, or Bar 333. 333 or something. But it's like a, it was like a nightclub. It wasn't like a yeah, shitty club. Yeah, uh, and it's like always near had Winyard. a line and, yeah, and the bouncers there were dickheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We it's went, Triple Three, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. We went there once and... Been kicked was, out of there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got kicked it's out. It's the bouncers. We kicked ourselves out because there was three of us, me, Tone, and my mate, Brett, and maybe Waddy was there as well, so it might have been four of us, but we were sitting there, we were just drinking, and and there, there was a laptop. I might have told this story a bit a while ago, but it was a laptop DJ, so he had a MacBook, <laughs> and he was playing, and it was going off. Like, everyone was going dancing. We, were, we only just sort of got there. We weren't drunk yet but it was like pumping in there and this guy had this laptop and and i just lean over the tone and i go i oh, should tell elsie to uh go up and just shut that laptop <laughs> <laughs> and i thought like i thought they all knew what would happen and, and it was a bit of like you know game of telephone or whatever where i sort of like wink like that'd be funny like that you know like what what do you think will happen and then so tones and then tone told Brady. And Brett is just like an idiot. We'll just do anything if you tell him. If he doesn't understand what's going to happen. Like, he doesn't, like, why would I do that? He just thinks it's, like, annoying, like, going up and poking someone, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy's going, da, 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 you know, the whole place is going off. There must be, like, 100 people dancing, <laughs> absolutely pumping, and he just goes up. And I just watch him, like, what's he doing? And then I remembered what I just told Tone <laughs> to tell him. And before I can stop it, he just goes up and just goes, <laughs> shuts the laptop Music keeps playing for about three seconds as the DJ like panics and then just dead silence. (laughs) The entire place, you can hear a pin drop. And and Brett turns around and looks at me and I'm like, we got to go. The whole place, everyone's scrambling. The DJ's like, he doesn't even kind of get mad because he's just panicking about it. He's trying to lift it up and it's in like shutdown mode. It's a perfect time for him to go a cappella and be like, shots. That's what I would have done. Everyone in the place. I would have grabbed the microphone and be like, who wants to hear some open mic comedy? <laughs> <laughs> so we just scurried out of there. Mm, we're like yeah. we are not lasting here. Ran out the fucking front door, but yeah, there we go. Hell yeah! Um, I got a I got a historical figure. Yep. Um, Mary Reby. So this mm. is um, she's English born. Um, she was basically transported to Australia as a convict when she was fifteen. Um, she's born in Lancashire, and she I think her parents died. She was raised by her grandma. And in uh, 1791, she was arrested for stealing a horse. Mm. Um, and she was disguised as a boy at the time, oh, gone by the name of James Burrow. And um, yeah, she she said- Girls she, did that back in the- I saw there's a bunch of different <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, they just yeah, put yeah. on a hat and everyone's like, oh, that must be a bloke. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and she said it was just a little bit of hijinks because she was bored. And she was just like, I'm going to steal this, my neighbor's horse. Mm-hmm. Um but instead, she's sentenced to seven years transportation. Fifteen-year-old girl, like that's uh, f- like overkill. I think <laughs> pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we're going on a joyride. She, yeah. So she she gets sent to Australia um, in 1794 when she's 17 years old. She marries this bloke Thomas Reby, who seems like a bit of I don't know if he's shifty or whatever. Um, he was a I think he worked for the East India Company, and he had different names. Like it was Reby, but sometimes he was Raby, and then he was like Reby, but spelt different. No, so, so he just, had a bunch of mates who gave him nicknames. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Raby! <laughs> hey, it's bloody Raby! Raby Oski, what's going on? Um, Rabos. <laughs> this bloke. Uh, Raby baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you know he's doing, the, he's doing the worm when he gets pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He um he ended up getting um so he was granted some land on the Hawkesbury when they the connection to the rocks is when they first moved here that's where they lived they went straight uh-huh. to the to the slum and they were um living in the rocks and um and actually the, tourists, there's sure. a yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a monument it's always straight to the slum <laughs> to the there's slum. a plaque at the rocks you can you can see it um and it's like a little bit of sort of her life story um which I, but I also love because this is like the official plaque on some wall in the rocks. And it goes, when only 13, Mary Reby was transported to New South Wales for a prank involving a horse. <laughs> That's like such a weird way to put, you know, stealing a horse and getting sent here. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of hijinks. It's like the bad Netflix uh, episode descriptions for things, you know, where it's just like, oh, Bart gets an elephant. It's like, Bart calls into a radio show. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, it says it in the title, man. Um, this bloke, Thomas, he, yeah, like I said, he was given some land on the Hawkesbury and he ended up just becoming this like massive wealthy merchant. He had business interests all over, and um, he eventually he dies, and she just takes over. So she'd already been like running stuff for him because he was often away from Sydney. So she knew the business inside and out, and she eventually she moves to like I think she had a big mansion on George Street somewhere. Um, and uh, actually, super weird. So she had a, a house in Macquarie Street. And in 1817, the like the Bank of New South Wales opened in her house. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Like, you know how you can, you, like, around here you'll see, like, some old nonna who's, like, selling fruit and vegetables yeah, out of her yeah, house. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's a fucking Bank of New South Gee, Wales. Like, I tell you what, you want to get a mortgage from them. You know what I mean? They're like, listen, we're going to deny your application. Yeah, we're like, going to foreclose on our headquarters. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my fucking living room, dude. Um, but, yeah, she eventually – she's just sort of famous for um, – for that, she would be, had huge property holdings. She was this, like, um, you know, very well-known merchant. People, like, kind of, like, loved her. She was a bit of a character. Yeah. Um, and she eventually retires to Newtown um, and, and dies in 1855. The old retirement community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the little fun fact about her, Mary Reby, here's one for you pub trivia, guys. Okay. Um, she's the old lady on the $20 note. Oh, oh, and the old lobster. Yeah. Damn. All right. So when you're feeding that through more cheese, <laughs> next, uh, <laughs> yeah, next yeah, a little wink. Come on, Give us some. Uh, listen to the latest episode. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I got one very silly one because mm-hmm. uh, James, you got a you got a long story, right? But uh, relatively, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got a uh, one, but uh, more silly. But uh, I guess just talking about drunken nights out. But um, I I mean, it sounds like it's a very big um. The Rocks is very big, like Christmas. Office Christmas party, little yep, jaunt. Of course, right? But I love this guy. Drunken night out. Um, this guy was unemployed, so it wasn't a Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, but um, just to rub uh, it into the stew. I mean, you can be unemployed <laughs> yes, have a Christmas. Yeah, party. I guess every day is a Christmas yeah, party. That's right. Yeah, imagine unemployed. He's like, oh, I got my Christmas party. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, but uh, you and the other unemployed. <laughs> yeah. 
Drunken night out costs unemployed man 40 grand um, as he sets Ooh. off fire sprinklers in popular restaurant. Um, <laughs> a man has been ordered to pay 40 grand in compensation by damage by um, caused by the restaurant's fire sprinklers that he set off deliberately um, in the toilet during an alcohol-fueled night out. Lachlan, I won't say his last name, but it says it here, so it's all out there publicly. He appeared in uh, district court. Um, El Camino Cantina restaurant. Oh, I've been hey, there. I've been there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not so, very, they treated my sister very poorly once on her birthday, so do not go there. Oh, really? Yeah, they're shit. All right, well, they deserve Bastards. it because uh, yeah. this is what Lachlan was doing to get them back. Is that the court? I sent Lachlan in. Yeah. There. <laughs> well, the court heard, uh, heard how um, Lachlan was filmed standing on a toilet seat. Um, and turning out to his mate, oh, he filmed this, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's set, always the start of yeah. something good. And he set the fire sprinklers off. And, uh, the, How'd he do it? Did it say? It's light it said, yeah, it said, it said at one point light. It also said he was smashed a light globe. So I don't know what actually happened, but he obviously did something that set off the fire sprinklers. Um, and then the restaurant estimated they lost. So the whole place had to flee right mm, like mm. the whole packed restaurant had to run out so everyone was sitting there eating and had to leave the the fire rescue estimated the cost of responding to the alarm was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. i don't know how that's possible but uh basically you had to pay 40 grand to the restaurant so Fucking next hell. time you have a little fun drunk hey you want to catch yeah, this geez. one it's gonna be fun like yeah, you know go at this. you do the work <laughs> you do the worm or something <laughs> it can cost you forty thousand Man, bucks. 40 grand like I that's know. That's such an earth-shattering amount of money to me. Like that, yeah. would, that would ruin and this several years of my life. This guy's unemployed as well, so yeah. There you go. Well, fuck Elk Mina Cantina. So <laughs> yeah. that's the moral they of that story. Yeah, yeah, they deserve it. And you, you should do it again. No, <laughs> come on, because <laughs> they didn't get Jamie's sister wanted a bursty style. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went up and was like, "Do you guys know that the restaurant Hungry Jack?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got something. It's a it it spans the rocks to Kuji. It's a real rip roar of a story. It's called the Shark Arm. Strap case. in, strap and, uh, on. We're <laughs> oh, we'll <get> strapped. <laughs> uh, so this is the Shark Arm case, and it was the basis of a 2003 episode of CSI Miami. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But this is like an old like 1930s story. Sounds like a, uh, the basis of a Goosebumps book. The Shark Arm. You know, yeah, your yeah, arm yeah. turns into a shark. <laughs> I woke up one day. <laughs> I would read it and be scared. <laughs> I would read it, put it under my bed and never touch it again. Um, so basically, this is a great article. Sydney residents may have dreaded spotting sharks at the beach after the summer of 1935, but they were eager to see one in captivity because I think there were like a lot of shark attacks at the beach. Mm-hmm. And then basically... This guy I love from, it only after 1935. Like before that, they're like, shut yeah. I'm going to run it. in and pet it. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically the Kuji Aquarium proprietor, Bert Hobson, he anticipated that the public would want to see one in captivity. And so he was fishing and they reeled in a small, like a 14-foot tiger shark. Oh, it's just a baby. Yeah. And so they brought it to shore and he was like, I'm going to fucking have this and put it in the... Aquarium. People are, is like that's huge. Yeah. That's it, it, they say it weighed a ton, which doesn't sound right. That's a thousand kilos, yeah, but it's, right? Yeah. Uh, Four foot. Sense. That's pretty foot. Yeah. What are you yeah, trying to I mean, say? Alex that's not enough. Six foot. I don't, I don't like, weigh a ton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even right. If, yeah, but, but they're, they're, they're is, wide and yeah. they're, they're, they're not just like thin and gangly like me. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, saying if I was fourteen foot, if you were ten foot taller, yeah, you would weigh one ton. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I assume. So anyway, yeah, they bring it to Kuji Aquarium. Yeah, may, it does 
now that you've put it in terms of me, I understand. <laughs> uh, so basically, you bring it to Kuji Aquarium, and it it goes off. People are like, oh fuck, there's a rots. I gotta tell you that it goes off like a laptop DJ uh, with an open screen. <laughs> with a screen up. And so basically, off. like a Kuji Pier, like where the aquarium was, like was kind of in disrepair, like. They'd demolished some stuff. So, like, foot traffic through that area had kind of died. So, the guy who ran the aquarium was like, we fucking need something. Mm-hmm. So, with a tiger shark on display, we can generate some excitement. And it worked, and people, like, came to visit. So, it says the frenzy around the creature peaked on Anzac Day when we're recording oh, this episode. Wow. Oh, there you go. Shout out to the vets. Many years later. 92 years later, I think. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so <laughs> the so basically... They, they, so people bought a ticket to Coogee Aquarium. Yep. They go straight for the tiger shark because we want to see the tiger shark. They've read headlines about shark attacks all summer. So they're like, well, we want to fucking turn the tables. Yes. Fucking tap the fishy glass. <laughs> hey, gun buddy. So they get there and this Anzac Day and the shark is behaving like a little odd. Like it's like... <laughs> It's lethargic, basically. Okay. And it's not eating during, like, the feeding well, time. Well, he's been up since dawn service. Yeah, exactly. He's had too many beers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, you know, like, people want to watch, like, the feeding, and he's not hungry and stuff like that. And, like, before, like, when it arrived at the facility the week before, before they unveiled to the public, he was behaving as a shark would, like, mm-hmm. ravenous, Did- fucking... Go on. Did they say way. what it, what it, what sort of a tank it was? I mean, was he just like literally just stuck in like a bathtub? No, I think it's like a big proper enough tank, like a thing. proper tank. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, here we go. It's a twenty-five by fifteen foot pool. Pool. So he's fourteen foot. So like, it's not that big. Yeah. So it's as wide as he, he is it's long. It's as wide as I am long. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, so he can sort of do half a lap, uh, yeah. half a body length yeah, up and back. That's, that's so basically, uh, it, it was moving around sluggishly. It was like bumping into the walls. And yeah, like, it was. <laughs> Hey, hey, watch the walls, mate. Come on. And like the worst, like it was sinking. Like it kept like being like, and like falling to the bottom of the tank. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that there's something, I don't know if it's about sharks or certain whales and stuff, where they just can't keep them captive and they all die. And it's something about, they don't don't actually know how, but basically it's something about the water going through the gills or whatever, like just instill water and stuff Mm. like that. But there's some, they've been trying for years. I can't remember exactly. They do know why in this case. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because (laughs) basically the shark's like sinking in its own tank, being like, fuck, I don't want to do anything today. It's Anzac Day. I had a big night last night. Mm. And basically the the shark like suddenly starts like thrashing around. And then it starts like hacking, like it's got something caught in its throat, yeah. and it coughs up an entire human arm. <laughs> Fucking hell! In the middle Everyone's of the like, aquarium. Everyone's like, "Throw it up, mate! You'll feel better <laughs> after that." <laughs> it's just so people are watching. People have paid tickets, and they watch like the shark Dude, regurgitating. That arm. would that rules. Like if you you, you you know if you went yeah like the day before, you'd be so pissed off like. It hacked up an arm. The yeah, next day, exactly. Yeah. I got fucking ripped off. So it's like the opposite of when um, those magicians got attacked by a lion. You know, yeah, Roy, and Siegfried, Siegfried and Roy. Roy, like that, that. If you went the show before that, you'd yeah. be like, God damn! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was begging it would do something. <laughs> Why didn't we make it the Thursday? But so yeah, so this guy, uh, 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 Narcissa Leo Young, who was a proofreader for the Sydney Herald, was there that day and was quoted as saying, "I was three or four meters away from the shark and clearly saw come out of its mouth a copious brown froth which smelled really foul." In addition to the arm, the shark also expelled a bird, a rat, and a load of muck. So, like, <laughs> what is this? 
this <laughs> shark like at this point book. feels heaps better, and it's like, yeah, yeah I'm floating to the top, baby. The bird and yeah, all that. like a little tapas meal going, like yeah. a little bit of everything. But that's so like the, like, it was probably the rat. So, they, <laughs> so basically, the arm is like partially digested. It's not like decomposed or anything. So yes. like, it's basically like a full normal arm that yeah. has just come out of this. Uh, shark's mouth so the coroner report showed any characterizations of the shark as a man eater turned out to be unfounded so the shark didn't like attack someone and eat its arm oh right so they're saying it, it, there was no bite marks what what they're saying was that the the shark was fed the arm or like oh. the shark had eaten the arm independently like it didn't attack someone and bite it off it, it didn't it, was just it like, wasn't severed by shark teeth. yeah it was yeah. just like oh fuck here's an arm I'll have that, you know? Like, sometimes... <laughs> I, I mean, like, doing open my comedy for so long, I've watched many meals be left behind by pub patrons while previous guest Jack Wright grabs them <laughs> and <laughs> takes a bite. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's going to go in the bin yeah, otherwise. Yeah, so exactly. this is So the shark is Jack. Right. And uh, it would rule if, like, the arm, he coughs the arm up and then there's a guy in the crowd with one arm and everyone just turns to his arm. <laughs> <laughs> of course you think it's me. That's where it is. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I lost it in a worming accident. Uh, <laughs> But so basically this like alerted the police that perhaps like there were a murder had taken place. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we need to identify who the victim is. And then it says Edwin Smith was reading about what had happened at the Coogee Aquarium when he came across a detail that made him pause. A description of a distinctive tattoo branding the arm recovered from the tiger shark pool. Located on the victim's forearm, it depicted two boxes facing each other, fist poised for a fight. Oh, so he's got a little tattoo. Tat, and yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? We should get one. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm in. We'll go to our famous place and we'll do small talk with a tattooist <laughs> where you sit there and see. <laughs> um, but uh, so basically this guy, Edwin Smith, immediately thought like, oh, fuck, that's my brother, James, who has the same tattoo and also coincidentally has been missing for weeks. Oh, Jesus that, Christ. That's like, like such a coincidence. Y yeah, yeah. There and he sees so it. Well, no, he wasn't there. He read in the paper. Oh, okay, right, and right. so it says, while shocking, the news that Jim Smith had been murdered and become a meal for the shark wasn't totally unbelievable. The 45-year-old English-born resident of Gladesville managed a local billiards bar and had a history both as a criminal and a police informant. So he's oh, playing both sides. Mm, yeah. uh, he had a failed boxing career. The rat. That explains the rat. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Martin Scorsese touched there. <laughs> So he had a failed boxing career, which means maybe he boxed with the bloke from the last Rocks episode. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Oh, jeez. Larry. Foley. Larry Foley. Foley. Yeah, yeah. Happy as Larry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it. he picked up odd jobs around the Sydney area. So like he worked uh, for a boat building mogul uh, named Reginald Holmes. who And boat building was like his clean job. He was also a crime kingpin. So Holmes used his successful boat business as a front for like several illegal operations with his speedboats. He transported illegal drugs from ships passing through Sydney to sell in the city. Mm. And he also um, pulled forgery and insurance scams as well, which this guy, James Smith, was enlisted to help execute. And it says an ex-convict named Patrick Brady was also involved in these schemes. This is one of Holmes's most infamous cons involved the destruction of an overinsured yacht. So after recruiting Smith, who's the guy that died, to surreptitiously sink the Pathfinder, Holmes filed a claim for damages. So basically Ooh. they sunk this yacht and then he fired for it so he could fucking make more money insurance on the insurance. Scam. I like okay. that. Yeah. And he later learned that Victimless crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he later learned that Smith had reported the incident as suspicious to the police and he ended up eating the cost of the boat. So because Smith, the guy who helped, said it was suspicious, 
they didn't get the insurance payout for it. <laughs> right. And one job. So yeah, yeah, he's a dumb cuss. Like, <laughs> yeah, so wait, he did the crime. He did the crime and then was like, I think something out. shifty happened. No, like not chicken out, but like he described it wrong. You're supposed to be like, there was an accident. Right. Like, like then it gets it short. He's like, oh, I think something shifty happened. And they're like, oh yeah, maybe it did. And he's like, God damn it. Uh-huh. So this led to like a falling out. And then Smith like started, uh, reportedly started like black manning homes. Being like, well, I told them it was shifty. I'll tell him it was fucking you, yeah, you know? Right. Okay. And so it says, Smith was last seen drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel in Cronulla. So this goes all around Lake Sydney mm. on the night of April 7th. At the night progressed, they relocated to a cottage Brady was renting on Tolombi Street. A disheveled-looking Brady later took a cab from his cottage to Holmes's house, and this guy Smith, who he's been with all night, is no longer with him. Okay. And so it says, the tattooed arm that came from the shark shed lied on the mystery of Jim Smith's disappearance. Edwin called in a tip to the police collect connecting the limbs tattoo to his missing brother. So the guy who's read it in the paper is like, all right, police, this is my brother. Law enforcement official uh, officers also had the victim's fingerprints and using a new forensic technique, fingerprinting, they were able mm. to match the hand to Smith. And so he's obviously been murdered. Like his arm's been severed and the shark has eaten it. Mm. And it says, so even with two suspects, a motive and a severed arm, the case was far from closed. Police still didn't have the hard evidence necessary to make arrests in connection to Smith's disappearance. Instead, they brought in Brady on forgery charges unrelated to the crime. And the cops interrogated him for six hours to get the confirmation that they already suspected, which was like Reginald Holmes was the mastermind behind the insurance plot, got mad and probably necked this bloke. Mm. So Holmes hears that, uh, this um, Brady guy might be squealing and that the police might be onto him. And so by the time the police come to Holmes's house to arrest him, Holmes is on a speedboat in the middle of Sydney's harbour, <laughs> jetting off. He, yeah, this is the CSI Miami style. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is sick. He managed to evade his pursuers while imbibing a bottle of liquor he had grabbed before fleeing. Oh, hell so he's yeah, like, dude. the cops are coming. Better fucking get some Bundy. And yeah. then he gets on his... See you, cruiser. suckers. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, he stopped the boat and rose before a group also, of... Also, hold on, a speedboat. Like, this is before... He wasn't, like, wasn't a petrol motor or something. It's 1935. So, like, okay. speedboats exist. Okay, I guess so. I was uh, thinking he's just, like, really fastly yeah, rowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, with one arm as well. Bundy. <laughs> but it says, so um, he, at, at one point he stopped the boat and rose before a group of spectators that had gathered to watch this uh, chase, uttering a nonsensical warning. Jimmy Smith is dead and there's only another one left. If you leave me until tonight, I'll finish him. Then he shoots himself in the head and <laughs> falls into the water. And then, so it looks like the case is at an end. This guy has told the public, I'm out to kill this guy, then kills himself <laughs> and falls in the water. But Holmes <laughs> survives wow. from shooting himself in the head. Damn. The bullet left him with a non-fatal wound to his forehead. And he himself was able to, like, he fell into the water, shot himself in the head, and then was like, oh, fuck, I'm not dead. And he crawls back up onto his own boat. God. That's embarrassing. Yeah, how red-faced yeah. is <laughs> And so oh, then shit. he resumes the chase. He's like, well, I tried to shoot myself in the head. i got to keep running now, I guess. <laughs> and so the cops chase him. <laughs> what? And they catch him and they arrest him. But then it says dragging a confession out of him would prove just as difficult. He identified Brady, so the other guy, as the dead guy's blackmailer. So he's 
saying a dead guy blackmailed another dead guy. What do I have to do with it? Mm -hmm. And then according to his story, Brady had acted alone while killing and dismembering Smith in his cottage. He allegedly dumped most of the body parts in the sea, but he held on to the arm to threaten Holmes. It's like a blackmail. Like, hey, man, I'm keeping the arm. If you ever fucking Mm. try and have me whacked or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm bringing Sopranos style language (laughs) into this now. So then... um. In this version of events, Brady brought the limb to Holmes's house and warned him he would be next if he didn't uh, provide a generous payday. So Holmes claimed to have panicked and got rid of the arm by tossing it in the water, where the tiger sharks then swallowed it whole. Pretty eye deep throat by the shark there, you know, pretty Jeez. good. Uh, <laughs> you remember 90s porno? <laughs> I know you like that. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to bring an eye deep throat reference to this podcast? <laughs> For 85 episodes. Um, so on the morning of the inquest into the case, so Holmes is supposed to attend this, police found him in a, his car with three bullet holes in his chest. He had likely hired he hitmen to do the job. <laughs> so he'd taken out a life insurance policy on himself and then <laughs> called a hitman to kill him. Oh, man. So he could pull off one last grift and make sure his family was rich for life. Damn. So he's this, like, I'm going to... This is the same guy shot himself in the head? Yeah. So he fails at killing himself, <laughs> but then he enlists people to kill him. Right. And they succeed and his family gets a paid. It's like a guy trying to do DIY, DIY in his house and <laughs> yeah. he fucks it up. And, <laughs> and, he's like, and your wife's like, just get a fucking plumber, <laughs> mate. Yeah. But then old mate, so Patrick Brady, who like killed this guy initially under orders from him, he's still alive. He gets arrested and he gets to his trial, but it's not a slam dunk. Because all the fucking people are dead, you mm. know? So, like, there's no witness testimony from Holmes or from this uh, the first guy. And mm. the physical evidence was, like, less inc- incriminating than they seemed. The arm wasn't proof of a murder, the defense argued, and it wasn't right to acquit him, uh, to convict a man of a crime when it was p- possible Smith had survived. So this guy was... So they never found his body. They only found the arm. I believe so. But that so Brady, this guy who actually killed the guy on behalf of Holmes, he was acquitted and maintained his innocence until his death at 76 in 1965. So he went on for another 30 years being like, yeah, I never fucking did it. And then um, basically, unfortunately, after Smith and Holmes died as well, the shark was killed and cut open to like do an autopsy to see if they could figure out what happened. So uh. the true only innocent person in this case <laughs> was the poor the shark that had just like swallowed an armhole. God damn. And nothing like happened. More birds, more rats. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and Bad so basically like the, the full story of Jim Smith's disappearance has kind of will never be proved because it's died with all these people that went along, like that died during the case. And yeah, the one yeah. guy who had something to do with it, just kept saying he was innocent until the end of it. I love how they think, like, it's not proof of murder that because they didn't, f- he could he could have survived that. But, like, how many people are in Sydney at the time? You, you don't notice a guy with one arm who is that guy? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, how do you hide out alive? I guess it's just, arm? like, all loophole-based stuff, right? Like, it's just like, I don't know, man. He's, uh, his arm is off. It's fine. Yeah, he yeah. Can't. His arm's off and he's been missing for several weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's probably alive. He's probably getting a new arm somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, yeah, so the What full, was the Rocks connection on that one? Uh, like, it started in the Rocks okay. and then moved. And, like, this Holmes guy had, like, a business based out of the Rocks. Right, right, so, right, right. so it basically, like, spans Sydney. But so it's, like, one a- of Australia's, like, most famous, like, semi-solved crimes, I guess. Yeah. But if you just genuinely threw the arm into the water and one shark ate it, and then that's the shark they catch to throw into 
could you? I mean, you'd yeah. be like, fuck me. You know, <laughs> yeah. the odds of that. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to end it all. Yeah. <laughs> Survive, shoot yourself Miss, in the head. Kill another guy and <laughs> shoot yourself in the head. Man, what a Jeez. rock hard head. That bullet just fucking bounces off yeah, his Yeah, right forehead. off the forehead too. So maybe he did it like a stupid way. <laughs> like, yeah. I love how he did it in front of a big crowd as well. And then, you know, and then, it's like yeah. a party trick. It's oh, like, 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 worms oh, his way out of the water. After making a scene. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying Who did he say, I'm going to give me until midnight. I can do it. Uh, fuck well, he was all. saying that he was going to kill the. Uh, he was going to kill Brady. Like he was like, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to kill him. I'm a, great, I'm a great shot. Watch this. Is that good? I'm back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I don't know. I don't have much else, um, but we can talk about... Oh, the, you you had some questions, right? Oh, no, we pretty much did them. We pretty much did them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Snuck okay. them we can. I was going to talk a little bit about the six o'clock swill, but that's really everywhere. I guess. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about that in... Um, uh, in the rocks, but it was really a big thing everywhere. You know the six o'clock swirl? Yeah, 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 we've talked about it in an earlier episode. Oh, I think we? it's just because the rocks was... I remember reading something um, this morning where it just mentioned when the... You know the barracks at Hyde Park? Mm. When that like first opened in 1800s or whatever, like all the recruits, as soon as they got off work, would just everyone went straight to the rocks because it was like every sort of debauchery was yeah, happening there. Like, yeah. yeah, I think there was one we had. Maybe it was for like Strathfield or a further out way where like... People had to catch the train home for the six o'clock swill, right. and they'd get home at like five forty-five. So the pub would just be like bracing, yeah, like well, for an hour, and then like all these cunts in fifteen minutes. And I think it was a pub that like famously was just like all concrete. So like as soon as all these guys left, they just got like an industrial strength hose yeah. and hose the place down. Well, it's- that's what they actually say here is a lot of things that um, survive to this day are sort in Australian pubs is because of that. So. Like, not just the concrete, but, like, all the tiling. You know, the pubs have that tiling yeah, everywhere. Yeah. That was because at, you know, because, yeah, the, the Six Dogs swill, swill came around during World War One. They they snuck it in as, like, as a form of, like, war rationing, but then also because of, like, the temperance societies and all the anti-alcohol stuff were doing it, uh, pushing for it. But then, yeah, because you couldn't stop serving after 6, so at 5.30 it would just be on. And the pubs then just adapted to it. So they would be pretty busy, and then from 5 to 6 it would just be, like, bulging. And they were like, fuck, it's just, it was revolting after that. They tiled everywhere. They changed, all pubs used to have all these little small rooms. They'd have like a billiards room, had saloon bars, which were like for theatre. Like, so you'd have like, you know, comedy or cabaret or open mic. And there are also rooms just for women for a period, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was still around. The Golden Bailey Tab Room used to be the... The women's room. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. bent on the dogs, just all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like you'd have, yeah, exactly. They'd have two separate rooms, but then they were like combine all the smaller rooms into one because they're like, we just need, and they'd make really long bars, right? And like uh, they would, um, yeah, and then like, so all the billiard rooms and all that just sort of disappeared and it was just one big bar, massive tiled everywhere. And then there was this guy who was just like, it would talk about it. It was like, it was a revolting sight. And one, it took a long time for me to take for granted the smell of liquor, the smell of human bodies, the smell of wine. On one occasion, the worst smell as a man, rather than give up his place at the counter, just pissed against the bar. <laughs> so guys would just stand in line yeah, at the bar is, is pissing themselves. Is that why sometimes like, bars look like they have little troughs? At the, you Maybe. Seen, there's bars in Sydney where I'd be like, this looks like a fucking piss. Well, they would, co- would Wait, you're like, this would be perfect for me to piss <laughs> in right no, now. It's the fucking one near your old place in Erskineville. Um, oh, the, the Rose. Rose. Yeah. The Rose, I swear to God, looks like it has a piss. Well, they, they have those like curved down things yeah, at the bar and tiled and a little drain, <laughs> a little ice cube, a little uh, <laughs> yeah, urinal cake there. <laughs> 
But uh, and they would all have like twelve beer taps, all poured the same beer to the pub. Would just have one beer. There were no seats, no stools, so it was just literally like cattle. Like That's everyone the would worst come way to drink. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, it doesn't even. Seem and everyone fun. just dr- and everyone would just skull and drink, and they hadn't eaten dinner yet because it was before six. I mean, so that everyone, seems fun. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but everyone would just like get absolutely. Well, people blind wonder right. why Australia is such like a bad drinking culture. It's like that was the law. Yeah, like, you just had to skull it. Like, exactly, it was a competition. But anyway, all right, um, here's something. All right, oh. Usually, we ask our guest to plan an itinerary. Okay. Between the three of us, can we plan a morning, noon, and night in the rocks? Ooh, I've got Arvo sorted, but uh, um, I'll let you Drink until start. you piss yourself. Drew's <laughs> uh, like, a, look at all the bars and see which ones look like you could piss against the bar. <laughs> Drew's like pissing at the bar and then he's in the urinal and he's like, like the, hey, can I get another beer? Because <laughs> like the morning has like relatively nice markets right yeah, on the weekend. Like that would be a fun Argyle thing Street. like if you're at... Or you could just like walk around and like check out the old buildings. And it stuff. is like you get, um, I guess, used to it. But the view of the harbour and yeah, the yeah. bridge is incredible. Well, that's my that our my, morning, like, noon, and night are all just different pubs. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you could do a pub crawl. My lunch or afternoon, whatever, is the pub that's. I, I, I can't think of what the fuck it's called, but it's uh, that one that's got like four stories. But the top, the Glenmore, the Glenmore. And it's just the be- most beautiful rooftop with the best harbour view. Mm. So that's you, you got to sit there and just have a, a skewy. It's yeah. just Take a skewy. No the only problem with the Glenmore is that like after seven, it gets packed with the biggest fuckwits you've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 so absolutely. Uh, like, on the Udra. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. If you're planning on going to Glenmore, look up the opening times and go as close to opening. Just let go of the idea that, Going as early as possible to a I bar makes on, you look like an alcoholic. You no, gotta go. You gotta be there during the day because that view during yeah, the day. Is but it looks great during like sunset as well. But mm. then some, you know, some can always logs up the decks and you can barely talk well, after. Yeah. I reckon yeah. here, here we go. I reckon we go like we should do this on a Sunday, right? Mm. You go where, where we go. So we go to the 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 Australian Hotel here at Waterloo, just doing a crawl. You go to Lord Nelson and you go Fortune of War. And then you end up there for sunset, mm-hmm. right? Which is before seven, mm-hmm. right? So you're just there for an hour or two. And then you keep drinking around until you someone... T- and then you set the fire alarm off <laughs> at uh, El Catina, you bash I'd them. argue at some point, like... You end up at for pancakes a, on the For a meal, like, you could also stop at the lawn, bro, and get a big as fuck schnitzel or pork. Oh, sure. Pork okay, yeah. maybe you do that at lunch or something like that. Yeah. And then, but I do that, yeah, then you end up at 3 a.m. at the uh, Pancakes on the Rocks, leave getting it, the bursties. Leave it a one-star review. Leave it a yeah. one-star review. But getting I think the that would be beef great. cheek crepes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's not enough red wine <laughs> shoe on yeah, my yeah, crepe. You go to Pancake on the Rocks via Lord of the Fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah don't yeah, get yeah, let yeah. in. Yeah. But I reckon that would, like, I reckon, like, in terms, like, I was saying this the other day, pub crawls are like, they're sometimes a bit contrived and sometimes a bit forced because it's like you go to one pub, you're having fun, you go to the next one, you're having fun, and it's like, we've got to leave now and go yeah, to the. Yeah. And it's like, just can we have a seat? Pub crawl for, has always failed at like the third bar third when pub. you're like, this yeah. rules. Well, we're having and you fun. Sit down we're just, and, like, and they're like, why no. would I get up and go to a and place then, where I might not get a seat? And someone's like, we've got to do eight, nine pubs. And so the next one's two kilometers away and you're just trudging there. But I think in the rocks, it's so small, so many old pubs, you could do five or six. In an afternoon, yeah. All right. Have a blast. Let's organize small the official it, small is good. Board, pub. That's what crawl. me and Drew always say. But yeah, we'll take all our listeners and we'll not all- reach capacity. <laughs> <laughs> and like, hey, hey, the bouncer <laughs> stop us and be like, "You don't actually have enough people." To come in. <laughs> be us and Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he'll be like, "The missus has got to have me on by four. <laughs> uh, Alrighty, I no, we just get Carla to come for sure as well. Who's that? Jake's missus. Oh, okay, she's cool. the best. Oh, cool. Yeah, she, she'll come. And the last question. 
would we settle down in the world? <laughs> oh, yeah. Once we, I, I don't think you can anymore, right? Unless you, you move into really. that new development that they redid the serious yeah, building. Yeah, and then like kind that, of like, fogged that apartment. off, right? I'll tell you like, what I would do if I didn't live in Sydney, like I moved away and then I stayed in Sydney for a weekend. I reckon that's a good place to stay oh, in a totally. hotel. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially because yeah, like the new Barangaroo development's around there as well. Yeah. Go down to the star. No, not the star. Do a bit of money laundering. What is it? The Crown <laughs> Casino? The Crown, yeah. yeah. But they lost their license in there. They never got it. I got the massive. I got a massage there recently and it was top notch. Damn, happy ending? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was a happy ending. It was happy My wife bought it for my birthday. And I was in there being like, hey, can you uh, pull the curtains shut? <laughs> Jamie, uh, Amy walks over and just tips a 20 and he's like, uh, give him a little extra at the end there. Make sure he has a good time. All right. All right, guys. Thanks, uh, obviously, we're on all social media. The audio episodes come out on Monday. You can watch the full video on Tuesday. Hell Hit yeah. us up with suggestions about towns that you'd like us to visit or guests that you'd like us to have, or just send us info about places because we'll probably use it for a later episode. Yeah, totally. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's it's pretty decent. Yeah. And just listen and tell your friends. Tell we love hearing mates. from you guys. Come we love down the to fact that you listen. Oh, yeah, come down to Everly every Sunday. Me and Drew were very scared this Sunday and probably... Oh, look, we knocked it out of the park. We knocked it out of the park. Yeah, that's it. In terms of... Um, wait, is Caution back next week? Caution's back, okay. but who knows when he goes on down. tour again. You can always sneak... There's always a chance that at least one community will <laughs> be there. And there's a chance that two will be at the pub beforehand. Yeah, like, come to the Glengarry. Yeah, come to the Glengarry. <laughs> the pre-hang at, yeah. the, at the glass. We get to the Glengarry and I... Regular tables are taken by our listeners. I'll be furious. <laughs> so I'm like, that's it. We're ending the pod. <laughs> <laughs> right, but apart right, from let's... that, see you next week, yeah, everybody. Yeah, I love you. Bye. Bye.